Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 20th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features our final recap of the 2022 regular legislative session with two of our favorite Statehouse reporters, Jeffrey Collins and Joe Bustos. In business, we talk frankly about weeks of market declines, the rising possibility of stagflation and a recession, while looking at some still positive economic indicators, and the latest on record gas prices to boot. In medical, we talk with a geology professor about the earthquakes shaking the Palmetto State, new vaccine news for youngsters, and (coughs) monkeypox. Also, we want to hear your stories. That's why we set up a voice mailbox that you guys can call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365. You can leave us a 1 to 3 minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. And a little bit of a prompt for you guys. I'm interested in hearing from folks about how they're faring in this current economy with inflation, rising gas prices, employment stuff going here and there. What are you doing differently? If anything, let us know. We want to hear from you. 803-563-7169. You don't have to leave your name if you don't want to. It's our secret that a couple thousand people will listen to. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending May 14th, DHEC reported 5,566 cases and 10 deaths. Cases are up 22% and deaths are down 23% week over week. There are 116 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 20 are in intensive care, and six are in ventilators. All those metrics besides hospitalizations are up week over week. Currently, 54.7% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Now, let's continue our look at the end of the 2022 legislative session. I promise you, this is our last look right now. We've done a lot of this. It's just the regular session. We still have a couple special sessions coming up, so stay tuned for those. But we're still decompressing and recovering from 18 weeks of Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays full of committee meetings, floor debates, big personalities, steps forward and steps backward, depending on your politics and view of government, of course. But yes, democracy in action nonetheless. So I invited Statehouse reporters Jeffrey Collins with the Associated Press and Joe Bustos with the state newspaper to pop on This Week in South Carolina to share their thoughts on the bills that passed, died, and exist somewhere in the in-between, a.k.a. a conference committee. We also look at what's happening in the off-season. We've talked about this a lot already, but take a listen from these friends of the pod and really solidify your memory of the 2022 session. Well, it brings it, it brings actual true early voting to South Carolina. For two weeks, people will be able to go to the polls and vote. Uh, for the June 14th primary, that means starting May 31st, you can go and cast a ballot just like you went to the polling place on election day. And uh, it's a pretty big deal. There are also some other smaller components of the bill. It bans what's called fusion voting, fusion where one candidate gets to run in two different parties and show up on the ballot twice. Um, you know, it, it adds, it makes a voter fraud a felony. It um, makes a little more restriction on absentee ballots, stuff like that. But um, almost thought we weren't going to get that bill this year. Um, the 
House and, and the governor supported one version and it passed through unanimously. Senate passed their version of the bill unanimously too, but there was one little catch there. Um, the Senate version of the bill allowed the Senate to uh, confirm all the members of the uh, state election board and the house and the governor felt like that should too much power in the Senate. And so we ended up playing a little game of chicken. I mean, everybody wants to say how oh, we were going to get a bill and everything, but to be able to negotiate, you have to be able to, the other side has to think you're willing to just drop it. And so, you know, there was some back and forth negotiation, but we got this bill done about what it, uh, governor, you know, past Thursday, governor signed it Friday. Here we are. Joe, another controversial education topic this session was critical race theory. That's the concept that is not taught in South Carolina K-12 schools. Nevertheless, that became the focus of the House Education Committee, and they heard about 15 hours of testimony around, around that. Uh, they crafted a bill. Tell us where that bill went and how maybe it's still in play. So I think one of the key things, uh, the House Trent was hoping to get this passed during crossover week. At the same time, they're getting the trans athletes bill <laughs> passed. Uh, because of the hundreds of amendments on the trans athletes bill, it, the House was unable to get to the critical race theory bill on crossover week, which meant that it got delayed and didn't make it out of the House until until April. Mm-hmm. And when it when it passed the House, it went over to the Senate. It just sat in committee. House members tried to attach it to another bill during the last week of session. When that bill went over back to the Senate, it got placed on the calendar for a later day. And it just died. So uh, critical race theory bill isn't happening this year. The education scholarship account program, uh, which opponents have said it's basically a voucher program. This is a pilot program, but talk to us about uh, the state of it. What what goes into this bill? Probably the outside of the budget is probably the biggest difference between two versions of bills that the House and Senate passed this year. Um, the House version is is just a three year pilot program. They would have to come back around and renew it. The Senate version is permanent. They pay there's different. Um, they pay for it in different ways. The Senate version actually takes money out of the what gets sent to Katie. K through 12 schools for these scholarships, and they're worth $6,000 each. The House uses just one-time reserve money, and it's a $5,000 scholarship each. Um, they both are providing for mostly for low-income students, is the students that are whose families are eligible for Medicaid and things like that. Um, I believe it's the House version sets aside some of these scholarships for military families, but they're going to have to find figure out the difference between them. I mean, I, I think you're going to end up with something. I mean, both. House Senate leadership and House leadership want this. So I think they'll mm-hmm. figure out the compromise. We'll, we'll see where they end up, but it could be some pretty intense negotiations for a few weeks. And one of the biggest advancements, I'm guessing, for school choice proponents. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. This has been back before all we go all the way back to Governor Mark Sanford. This is one of his things that he really wanted. I mean, this is for school for folks that have been pushing hard for school choice and for uh, being able to spend public money on private schools. This is a, a benchmark. Mm-hmm. bill if it comes through. But one of the biggest bills that we're still debating, that we're still seeing lawmakers work on, a very select group of lawmakers, is the budget, Jeffrey. Uh, we had a lot of extra money in the budget this year, which of course leads to more problems, uh, different different leaders at play, different uh, priorities at play there. Uh, but tell us what's the status of budget negotiations. Maybe is there anything that we can point to right now where we can say definitively that something will be in the budget or are there is it so in flux that we, we really can't at this point? I mean, most everything is kind of is is locked in. I suspect you'll see some sort of raise for teachers and state employees. Um, you know, all the stuff that's is still in flux. Obviously, the tax cut. 
obviously whether we get a rebate that's in flux um the state the house included in its budget about 300 plus million dollars worth of kind of projects for districts so they'll have to figure out some way to get that together but the wild card you talk about the the where we're at in negotiations um sometime in the next week or two there probably will be another budget estimate released we still don't know how much money the state took in over the last few months and if if if, if, if it's the same way it's been over the past six seven months of this budget cycle there could be a lot more money left over i mean they they could end up with hundreds of millions of dollars that they weren't expecting to spend which certainly makes it a lot easier to paper over the differences between both sides that's probably coming before the end of this month and i would imagine certainly before the budget negotiators get together and start talking we have a, a few moments left here jeffrey and i want to ask you just about this special session that lawmakers will have june 15th that's the day after primaries a lot of House members will learn their fate, whether they're coming back in January or not. But I want to ask you what they'll be doing then, and then also just kind of piggyback on that with what's going on in the office session itself, including looking at the future of abortion in the state. Yeah, I mean, it's almost all budget. I mean, if you look through the 200, more than 200 bills that the House and Senate passed over this two-year session, McMaster, Governor McMaster vetoed very few of them, and they were mostly local bills that, you know, he just vetoes on you know with a lot philosophical reasons and they get overturned so it's mostly going to be budget if not and then some conference committee things like if the voucher bill and things get taken up uh the most interesting special session may happen sometime in the summer or fall depending on if we get a, a ruling and that overturns roe versus wade depending on how far that ruling goes if it goes far enough to where uh if it you know south carolina has the six-week ban essentially mm-hmm. if the supreme court allows an even further ban chances are the uh the House and Senate will come back and at least debate, you know, maybe a full ban on abortion in South Carolina or whatever would fit under that uh, Supreme Court ruling. So that's the big uh, wild card. We could have a couple of weeks in Columbia debating abortion, depending on what this U.S. Supreme Court does. And that's politics for you folks. A bit shorter, but that's what it is. Take a break. Enjoy the weekend. And you can catch that full interview on YouTube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Okay, I know we've had a lot of politics recently. That's why I need to be honest with you. That's why I saved so much beef for this business section. I need y'all to understand that before I tell you this. This is going to be some truth. While some economic fundamentals like unemployment remain bright, the weight of inflation, those rising prices, especially energy costs, has positioned the economy for possible stagflation, according to some economists. Stagflation is a combination of high inflation and weak growth, not a winning combination. Now, remember, our first quarter GDP was down 1.4% annualized. Of course, part of that first quarter also included the massive Omicron wave that broke records statewide, nationwide, and internationally. Jobs in South Carolina are still plentiful. Our budget is strong, and billions in federal money will continue to steadily improve our state for years to come. However, rising interest rates meant to curb the highest inflation in four decades may also take its toll, with some folks raising concerns about a coming recession. Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Analytics, said in the Washington Post that, quote, recession risks are high, uncomfortably high, and rising. For the economy to navigate through without suffering a downturn, we need some very deft policymaking from the Fed and a bit of luck, quote. And he wasn't alone. Still citing the Post here, this week alone, Former Goldman Sachs chief executive Lloyd Blankfein warned of a very, very high risk of recession. 
Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf said there was no question that the U.S. economy is heading toward a downturn. And former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke cautioned that the country could be poised for stagflation, which I already told you is a slowing economy combined with high inflation. Now, the markets have taken a beating as a result, with the Wall Street Journal reporting Friday that major indices are on track to have their longest streak of weekly declines in two decades. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ are on course for their seventh straight weekly loss, their longest such losing streak since 2001, according to Dow Jones market data. The Dow is on course for an eighth straight weekly decline, its longest such streak since 1932. All three indexes were on track to finish the week down more than 3.5%. Yes, bear territory. Welcome. Don't feed the bears. Where's Leo? We need Leo. Now this obviously stings the portfolios of retirees who are drawing their savings, but for the average person still working and paying into their 401k, it's a great buying opportunity. I'm trying to spin this here, folks, okay? Nevertheless, no one wants to look at their account balance right now. I get it, especially if you're really into crypto. God bless. Those heady retail investor-driven rallies of last year are fleeting memories. Hopefully you took some gains or listened to the advice of trusted financial advisors instead of social media users and euphemisms like hold the line. No judgment, they were good times. Diamond hands forever. To the moon. But big retailers like Walmart, Target, Lowe's, and Home Depot have flashed warning signs after missing their first quarter earnings targets. Now economists and analysts are combing through those reports and calls to prophesize the ramifications of these big box retailers for our consumer economy as more continue to predict a recession in the coming year. Now all this being said, consumers are still doing their thing like they did in April, and that is shop. That's right. Numbers from the Census Bureau found retail and food services sales were up 0.9% in April from March. And in March, they were up 1.4% from February. Now, these numbers are not adjusted for inflation. So, yes, people continue to shop despite the high prices. Remember, the South Carolina Ports Authority has recorded 14 consecutive months of cargo records at the Port of Charleston. What what do you think is coming in here? Shop, shop, shop. Separately, the Federal Reserve issued a report that found in April... Total industrial production increased 1.1%, the fourth consecutive month of gains of 0.8% or greater, and manufacturing output rose 0.8% as well. So, some strong fundamentals right there, but plenty of warning signs for the coming months. So, a lot of good information here when you get into little snippy arguments with your friends about how the stock market doesn't reflect the economy. Just don't look at your account balance. But let's put a bow on all this with the latest on gas prices. Yes, we broke another record this week. On May 19th, the average cost for a gallon of unleaded in South Carolina reached $4.31, a new record, unfortunately. As of our taping, we're down a penny from there, according to AAA Carolinas. We're the second cheapest state on the East Coast besides Georgia, and we're still below the national average of $4.59 a gallon. AAA says that tighter supply and increased demand have pushed pump prices higher. This supply-demand dynamic combined with volatile crude prices will likely continue to keep upward pressure on pump prices. Now, crude prices dipped a little this week as concerns about the likelihood of a recession increased. See above. If a recession occurs, crude demand would likely decrease amid decreased economic activity and cause crude prices to decline. Can't they happen right now instead? Anyway, best of luck out there, folks. Bruh.
today we're renaming our medical section as the medical and geological survey section. That's right. We're talking about something I, I don't think we've ever talked about really on this show before. Earthquakes. Yes, I know the start of hurricane season is just days away, but Mother Gaia has been shaking the Midlands recently. This week has been relatively quiet, despite a paltry 1.2 magnitude tremor near Elgin on Thursday. But last week featured a 3.3 magnitude earthquake in relatively the same area. It was loud. It woke up AT. You don't do that. (laughs) That prompted me to interview University of South Carolina professor of geology, Dr. Scott White, on This Week in South Carolina. He has some reassuring news about all the quakes that we've been experiencing in the state. Take a listen. It's unexpected. Yes. Uh, Abnormal. No. Sometimes the Earth just responds that way. There's a lot we still don't know about the way the Earth behaves and, and the way that earthquakes happen. And so it's events like this and uh, studying them, reporting those earthquake waves at our um, seismic network that help us understand more about the seismic hazard and the risk posed to communities and society. Scott, what about the 3.3? That was a big one that really shook a lot of people out of bed on Monday morning. Uh, that's, like you said, it's, it's not too out of the norm, uh, but it is a big one. What do you think that indicates uh, should we be more worried about bigger earthquakes coming? Yeah, that's a really good question. I know that that magnitude three, it's actually magnitude 3.29. We okay. measure these things very precisely. <laughs> uh, but the magnitude 3.3 earthquake, it was um, the second largest in this ongoing sequence of earthquakes out of Lugoff, Elgin. The one that started it was a magnitude 3.3 on December 27th of last year. A mm-hmm. uh, little Christmas gift from Mother Nature, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is not unexpected mm-hmm. behavior. It's something that happens every three or four years in South Carolina. We get little swarms of earthquake events. This one has gone on for longer than most. Mm-hmm. I think it's outstayed its welcome as far as most people that I know up in Kershaw <laughs> County are concerned. Uh, but it's at the upper end of both the size and the longevity for South Carolina sequences of earthquakes. And this series of earthquakes really has no impact on the likelihood of a big event happening. It really doesn't either increase nor decrease that likelihood. And so we're still in this mode where we're just waiting for the Earth to finish releasing the stress. You can think of it as it's building up pressure between two blocks of Earth's crust. And we're waiting for the Earth to just finish kind of relieving its pressure along that fault line that we see uh, running through Kershaw County. Gotcha. So just to reiterate, people shouldn't be worried that this is indicative of something bigger or anything really other than just uh, a lot of stress is what you're talking about. Yeah, a lot of stress in the Earth. And it's always there and sort of builds up slowly over time till the Earth just kind of pops along a pre-existing line of weakness. In this particular case, uh, this system is known to South Carolina geologists and has been documented by the South Carolina Geological Survey named the Eastern Piedmont Fault System. So it's for sure unexpected, Mm -hmm. but not surprising. And Scott, do you think we think of the big one because we look at our history, we look at 1886 in Charleston with the 7.3 magnitude earthquake, and we just, that just sits in our mind and we just keep, you just keep worrying that there might be another big one like that uh, on the horizon? The more that we can understand that you know, that also doesn't mean that we shouldn't be vigilant and prepared for a big event like 1886 in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, like while we're on the subject of the 1886 earthquake, 
That earthquake uh, was estimated by South Carolina seismology professors as having a recurrence interval of 500 years. So again, it's not something that we need to worry about in the short term. Every year is a really, really vanishingly small probability that it will occur again. Now that we have the geological portion of this section out of the way, let's go to medical. We had big vaccine news this week, and that was that the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC approved the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus booster vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. The optimal time to do this is five months after their initial vaccination series, according to the CDC. The CDC is also recommending those 12 and older who are immunocompromised and those 50 and older should receive a second booster dose at least four months after their first. And now, monkeypox. Yes, maybe you've heard about this rare disease popping up across the world and even in the United States recently. CDC scientists are collaborating with the Massachusetts Department of Public Health to investigate a situation in which a U.S. resident tested positive for monkeypox on May 18th after returning to the United States from Canada. CDC is also tracking multiple clusters of monkeypox that have been reported in early to mid-May in several countries that don't normally report monkeypox including Europe and North America. Again, incredibly rare. In fact, there were two cases in 2021, and we're still here, right? No one was really talking about that. Symptoms are similar but much milder than smallpox, which you probably don't know what those symptoms are either. They include fever, headache, and muscle aches. Now, the big difference is monkeypox swells the lymph nodes, unlike smallpox. Patients also develop a rash. Human-to-human transmission is thought to occur primarily through large respiratory droplets. Respiratory droplets generally cannot travel more than a few feet, so prolonged face-to-face contact is required. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic, and we want to hear your stories as well. Like I said at the top, give us a call and let us know how you're handling the economy right now. Dealing with gas prices, maybe a job change, what's going on with you? We'd love to hear from you guys what you're doing with this inflation situation. Ugh, it's a mess, we know. Can't do anything about it, but let me know what you're doing to handle it at 803-563-7169. Maybe not like, you don't have to like call in and read your portfolio. Yeah, I don't want to like know what your receipts look like, but you can tell, well, maybe you've compared receipts and you're, that's interesting. (laughs) Maybe you itemize. If you itemize, give us a call. Yeah. uh, You know, but like, how's it, how's it affecting your, your summer plans, you know? Like, like, well, how are you changing? Like maybe you were going to take a trip and now maybe you're not. I'm glad that I'm not traveling as much this summer. What a bold face lie. There's no Greece trip, folks. I'm sorry to break it. There's no European vacation. Greece, you're this talking year. the the Grecian the Isles the 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 musical, right? <laughs> the word. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Mama Mia. I'm gonna go to Greece again to try and find out who my dad is. Yeah, Gavin was Meryl so Street. confused. He showed up in Greece, was doing the hand jive everywhere, it and was so no one else was doing it. It was so embarrassing. It was crazy. It was a lot. But uh, let us know what you're doing. Eight zero three five six seven six nine. Uh huh. Um, we can talk about this after we take our first call. Oh, our first call. We only have one. <laughs> I stand by what I said. I, I love I love your conviction there, Gavin. But go ahead. Ask me if we got a call. 
Can you tell me who our first caller is? Uh, the one, our first and only caller is a great friend of the pod. Aww. Yeah, so happy he called. He actually called twice with an edit of the first one. So there were two calls. Oh, there were two. Now there's one. It's been it's been condensed into one. Uh, I love Namaste. This. Yes, Namaste. Let's get to it. Are you namaste, ready? Namaste, right here. Namaste, right here. Boy, <laughs> you ready? Okay, bye. Yes. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay. okay. This is Ben from Greenville with a little bit of an educational rant and then a response about the favorite kind of bagel. So back in 2019, when this legislative group was just getting together, there was a lot of talk about educational reform. And they were even talking about some of the big issues when it comes to the educational reform, which is how education gets financed. We all know that the big driver of education inequality is your zip code. And so if you're going to make a difference in education, you've got to change how money gets to those less privileged uh, school districts. And I'm really happy that uh, teachers have 30 minutes of unencumbered time. Uh, Shannon Messe is proud of that. He should be proud of that. But what we really want to know is where is the substantial educational reform that everybody wanted to tackle this year. Anyway, I'll, I'll get off of that rant and uh, appreciate the work that you guys are doing to cover this. And uh, then I'll respond about bagels. I've grown up in the South my whole life, but my grandma lived in uh, North Jersey, uh, about uh, 30, 45 minutes from uh, New York. And so when we went up there every summer, we would get bagels, Manhattan bagels, and they were so good. Uh, what was my favorite? Well, my favorite uh, was always the ones with uh, seeds. Uh, if I'm going to pick one off the top of my head, thinking back, it was the sesame bagel. My grandma would fry bologna, and we would put it on that bagel and take it down to the beach with us. And at lunchtime, I'd eat that. Uh, fried bagel on a, or fried bologna on the sesame seed bagel, a little bit of uh, Dijon mustard. It was so good. So uh, thank you guys for all your news coverage. Hope you have a good week off from covering the legislative this next week. Bye-bye. Ben, we love hearing from you, and what a great childhood memory that was. Oh, yeah. Oh, Got me hungry thinking about that. A little southern spin on that bagel, too, yeah, with that fried bologna. Fried bologna on it, that's a little weird, but it's honestly that whole setup. The I love a sesame bagel, by the way. Sesame bagel with fried bologna and mustard. Never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Strange to the ear. Sounds delicious. Yes, you know, Sounds very, very good. I love your bagel choice, too. I love a sesame bagel, especially for my bagel sandwiches. And, Ben, I just, uh, you know, we played that, but we also had Jeffrey Collins talking about education up in the... Uh, the politics section of the podcast, so I hope that kind of gave you some more answers about this whole situation about education reform and that momentum and where it's gone over the past few years because it's kind of fizzled out, and a lot of that is because of COVID, too. So mm-hmm. we'll see what's in store next year when we all get back in session. But oof, Start all over again. Months. Yeah, we got a couple more months. So. <laughs> but uh, AT, you know, we were talking about the economy. I'm asking folks what they're doing differently. And sure. I, and I want to ask you uh-huh. what you're doing differently. I think I'm only doing one or two things differently, which I'll share, but I want to ask you if you're up to anything differently. Personally, I'm... I'm... <sighs> I, I've been eating a lot more lunches at home. I will say that. Mm. Like, I, I don't go out to eat. And when I do go out to eat, it's with the Russ McKinney. Oh, okay? my God. So that's, oh a, that's, God. A, that's a real name drop right Oof. there. Yeah, and I got to say, the last time Russ and I went out to lunch at Max, mm-hmm. 
Max on Laurel, the best burger, and in, now the best chili dog place in Colombia. In Colombia, incredible. Um, the uh, they remembered my order. Oh, it was regular a, it was status. Amazing. Regular status, truly amazing. Oh. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, I'm eating at home more. I, I I've always cooked a lot. Caitlin and I cook a lot at home. Yeah. And, but and we are taking a vacation this this summer. We're going to Toronto to see Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. But we bought those tickets in 2018 or 19 yeah. and they got canceled and moved so much so i don't care what's what mm-hmm. <laughs> going mm-hmm. to see rage against machine gavin what are you doing um i <laughs> i've been just intermittently filling up my tank not full <laughs> just like here and there because <laughs> i just can't bring myself to do a full tank yes yes and uh, i'm hoping that i can hedge the prices you know like we, we say we do it like you know if we're in town in columbia we do it with the hopes of making it to Costco, you you, you put as much into your tank as you need <laughs> to, you get need to get to, to Costco. Town, yeah. You get you put like three fifty in there. But I still haven't brought myself to go to Costco. You had to do it more. So I'm doing like, you know, uh, more than a quarter of a tank or so. But mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, you keep making these stops. But I just you see these. You see what's on the uh, display at the gas pump right before you, and I mean, it's hundreds of dollars and things. And I just can't. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. No. And so I'm just, oh, maybe it'll come down by the next time I need to fill up. And like we heard, the prices are coming down by a penny so far. I so will say. Uh, encouraging. I, I do have a very old Jaguar. A Jaguar. That I got from my grandma. Brag. It's a, it's a real hard brag. I'm sorry. It's a 1990 Jaguar. It's chic AF. It's so nice. It's but uh, it, yeah. the whole story behind it is my grandmother got it in 1990. I was three years old. I saw it and I asked for it the day she got it. Mm. And mm. Uh, she said, when, Bold call. <laughs> when you're old enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got it about five, six years ago. Anyway, it only takes premium, and I just I drive it only enough so it doesn't break. You yeah, know, like yeah. I'm not driving it because I don't want to fill that sucker. Yeah. And I, I get that Premium. that's what a first world problem to say. My answer to your question is I drive my Jaguar. <laughs> well, my, grandmother, my grandmother's Jaguar. That's as pretentious as having your father give you a podcast. Oh, yeah, which uh, you know a lot about. Anyway. Uh, well, my I father. just realized what I said out loud. I and love it. just it. sounds so bad. We just uncovered AT. Hey, okay, stop. I have a 1990 Jaguar, and I had a 2002 Tacoma, and now I have a very... Very, very old SUV. So In a new Acura. Okay, we get it. I, we my get wife it. has that. <laughs> okay. My wife has that. I is, don't have that. Is there gray Poupon in the glove box? That's all the people want to know. There's a secret mirror in the glove Stop. box. Yeah. What? There's a lot. I found out about it. I've, I've flipped about every switch in this thing my whole <laughs> life, and I just found the secret mirror. The, it's crazy. the thing I love most about that car, too, uh, it's not the ashtrays, right? It has ashtrays it has on the, on the side. It has amazing hydraulic ashtrays. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the seats are incredible, too. They're very comfy. So plush. But what, what really sticks out in 90s in my mind mm-hmm. is the automatic seatbelts in the front seat <laughs> that go up. Because my yeah. dad had a Saab, a two-door Saab. Mm-hmm. Very 90s Jay Jackson, if you can even imagine buzzing around D.C. in that thing. Playing rugby in his 30s with his oh, kids. God. I mean, oh, God. Oh, so God. Such a vibe. Uh-huh. But that car had those, too, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I will say that whenever like some old car dude sees my my jag mm-hmm. he goes D- do the seatbelts work and i'm like yeah, yeah brother okay because that's probably one of the things that breaks all the time but also like uh gearheads always see it and they want to talk to me like i've been fixing it and i'm like brother 
I don't know the first thing about this. All I know is it's green and I like it. I can show you the receipts and I can tell you how much I've paid to have it fixed. It's a wreck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> first world problems. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> anyway, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Yeah. Uh, the next time you hear me, yes, give I, them a programming note, I will be at Spoleto. It's oh, that time of year yes. again. So Gavin and I will be separated. Separate. Our powers oh. weakened, oh. but not severed. Oh, it's going to be hard, but we'll make it through. We'll have FaceTime and uh, we'll send... Carrier pigeons back and forth and Spoleto chamber music and all that good stuff too. Maybe I'll be down in Charleston one of these days. We can do it down there. I don't know. But listen ahead and we'll be we'll be praying for you, AT, praying for your return from the music festival. Thank you. And if you see AT out and about, give him a shout. Don't touch, just give him a shout. <laughs> He'll be bouncing around King Street, possibly, if he's not working the whole time. Anyway, do you like Ben? Give us a call. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, you can also give us a review on iTunes. We appreciate that as well. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org as well. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. What? <laughs> I am so stupid. Uh, ow. Vibes. Oh, now that you say it, I get. I, I felt the vibe there. Okay, go ahead, pop up. This is what Daddy looks like now. That's good.